Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome to another edition of Conservative Daily Podcast. I am your host, Joe Oltman. Max is not going to be here today, so you have to put up with me just by myself today. I'm joined by a guest today, Chris York. Chris worked as a tester for Sequoia Voting Systems from 2005 to 2007. We're going to go through a bunch of information related to that. He had the uh, pleasure of working with Eric Coomer, the Coomer. Um, but more importantly, what is that, Josh? Oh, yeah. Okay, so more importantly than that, I want to start off with this. So Josh, I wasn't allowed to say this before. But Josh went on vacation. I'm allowed to. You're back now. <laughs> it was a super secret mission. It was a super secret mission. And on that secret, super secret mission came the lightsaber. Yeah, so <laughs> I got that out of uh, Joe Biden's um, library. It uh, turns out he has a bunch of these and he's training others like him. So I don't know if that makes him a Sith Lord or not. I'm not here. I'm not here to accuse anybody. I'm just saying that's where I found it. All right. So I, I had to bring that up because it is actually heavy. It's very heavy and it belongs to a Sith Lord. You could probably beat someone to death. It could be considered a, a weapon, a real weapon, except for the the tip is kind of soft. <laughs> so it's for uh, for. For a couple of snowflakes out there. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna have we have a lot to talk about, Chris. I, I met Chris about a week ago or a couple weeks ago. I, actually, I met him a couple weeks ago. And then we actually had a sit down last week, and we talked about the, his experiences within Sequoia Voting Systems. And so, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you, and then we'll just get into the time that you had at at uh, Sequoia. Well, I'm Denver native. And for the last 25 years, I've been working in IT, mostly as a tester for a number of different places on and off. I'll um, still, still do that same kind of work. Um, not sure what else to say about it. You've been doing it for a little while. Yeah, 20, testing for 20 years now. All right. Um, so let's, let's just dive into your time with Sequoia. The interesting part about this and why I thought this is relevant and why Chris thought it was relevant is because a lot of the things that he's going to talk to you about show you what could or could not have happened at Dominion Voting Systems. Yeah, I started in October of 2005. I was brought on as a contractor through a contracting company. Uh, that lasted about six months, six to seven months, and then I was hired full-time. Um, strictly testing, testing all of their machines, the software that ran the machines, the so it created all of the elections. <clears throat> um, and in June of 2006, I was asked to, do, to start doing some work in certifications. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about is how abruptly the contract ended with Sequoia. 
and things that you that you experienced while you were at Sequoia. Yeah, the the contract didn't end abruptly. I, I was just brought on full time in April ish two thousand six. Okay. And then I was terminated in October, or I'm sorry, in August of two thousand seven. And that was very abrupt. I did not expect that to happen, but there's a lot of stuff that happened between June of 2006 and August of 2007. So before we get into that, I'm gonna have to do a read. Everyone knows that I'm not very good at these reads, but I have to uh, do these reads because Max is not here. So this uh, podcast is brought to you by uh, Run for Office, um, How to Run for Office. As a Christian conservative, would you like to run for local office if you knew how? Or would you like to help a Christian conservative candidate to campaign, win, and serve in office, all while staying true to our shared biblical values? Then get How to Run for Office as a Christian Conservative, the new online course from former U.S. Congressman Bill Redman. It's the only comprehensive campaigning tra uh, training with a biblical worldview. Check it out at runforoffice.training/cd and use a special Conservative Daily discount code of CD10 for an additional 10% off an already super affordable price. In service to our great country, we must all work together to glorify God through government for such a time as this. How to run for office as a Christian conservative. For the, all the info, go to runforoffice.training/cd now. Okay, so I did pretty good on that, huh, Josh? All right, fantastic. So let's let's dive into it. Let's let's have a conversation about um, how it started. So you started out as a tester. You were under contract. They brought you on full time. Yeah, it was just it was testing their software to make sure that it worked right. All their machines counted elections properly, worked properly. You could create the elections properly, and I really actually enjoyed it because it was important work. Yeah. And I had work before that was working for junk mail mailing lists. That was not very important. So I really enjoyed getting an opportunity to work in something as important as elections. And everything was fine. We were testing methodically through the software. Um, when I got there just at their busy time of, of year, which was right before an election, and their elections, I was surprised all the time. In some state, county, whatever, all the time, their elections. Um, <clears throat> we went through a very extensive certification process from the federal government. Most states just accept that. Some states have their own additional certification process. Colorado is one of them. There are others, California, Florida, um, and others. Okay, so you worked with um, the certification process in Colorado specifically, right? I worked with... Um, yeah, the, all the federal certification was done in the Denver office of Sequoia. They brought in people from Washington or from wherever they were at, but the offices in Washington, and did a very extensive code review, tested every single machine, built all the code from the code review, so it was a clean build. They could not have made it with anything other than code that they reviewed. Um, seemed, seemed very secure at that point. I was a little dismayed that the database did not have additional security other than straight SQL Server security that is, from my understanding, very hackable. And I was hoping that I would get to work in more in security of, with this job because it seemed like there was should be more involved than that, but it wasn't. The 
computer system was just a Windows-based system. At the time, it was Windows XP um, with a SQL Server database and nothing else. It all could run and did run from a laptop many times. The entire voting system? The entire through? system ran from a laptop. All right. So I wanna, I'm going to go back to 2005, and you worked with um, a, a guy that tried to engage you in conversation. Who, who, was, who was that guy? Uh, Doug Winnell. Doug, Doug Winnell was the vice president, uh, or a vice president of Sequoia, pretty much in charge of the Denver office. He, what he said went there. And it, it, it wasn't a bad working relationship, except he kept trying to find out what my political affiliations were. He, wanted, he was a far left, I thought it was extreme. Um, there was no doubt he had, at the time, he had a page a day calendar of Bushisms right on his desk. And when we would support elections during election night, they had televisions with election coverage going. And it was very clear that many of the employees preferred Democrat candidates over Republican candidates. Were there ever any conversations where you had people openly support uh, Republican candidates? I don't. Well, th there were there was one employee that um, was definitely a Republican, and we had a converse, We had conversations from time to time. He left sometime in late two thousand six or very early two thousand seven, um, but that he he was really the only one that would come out as more conservative than any of the others. And so did, was there ever a time, I know we spoke before about this, but was there a time that they tried to engage you on your political beliefs? Oh yeah, Doug, Doug constantly wanted to know what, how I felt about certain candidates, certain um, ballot initiatives, other things. He, he wanted to know what my views were. And I never let on that I had any views. I just ignored the question. I would smile at him and I would walk away because our job was to make sure that the votes got counted correctly, period. Yeah. There was nothing else to it. I didn't, he didn't need to know what my political views were and I didn't need to know what his were. Right. But along with Doug, you had conversations with someone else. Eric would, once in a while, not often, but once in a while, would ask those same types of questions. Almost as if they were fishing for for people loyal to I, the party? I didn't think so at the time. I thought they just wanted to have people, like-minded people working with them. Okay. And I really didn't think that they were doing a fishing expedition at the time. I do now. Okay, Tell, why do you feel that now? There's a lot of stuff that happened when I got into certifications and started working with um, the certification effort and things were happening mostly at the state of Colorado because that's where I that's where my biggest focus was um, with them. And to they they had hired um, a couple of people from Heart Inner Civic at the time okay. to come to work for Sequoia. One of them was Ed Smith. One of them was Sandra Green. And when we started at Colorado. While we were at Colorado, sitting in the first row, the first day was nothing more than a demonstration of machines. So we would just sit there till it was our turn. We would demonstrate what the, how the machines worked briefly and be done. There were four companies there. But while we were sitting and waiting, Sandy actually came on to me. She would take her foot 
rubbed the top of her foot against the back of my calf up and down. Did it, it make you feel good? I just want to know if it made No, you feel it, good. it didn't make me feel good. We, we were in the front <laughs> row with the Secretary of State's office people. The Secretary of State wasn't there at the time. This, this happened in 2007. And uh, the year before, in 2006, for the certification at Colorado, it was very simple. We weren't, there wasn't anything really formal done. Right. We did the demonstration, they took the machines, they did their stuff, and it was over very quickly. And I, I don't remember the exact timing, but it was over quickly. In 2007, everything changed. It was very formal, lots and lots and lots of tests in a room that was, everything in that room was audio and video recorded. Um, but there she was at the start rubbing my leg. I just simply moved my leg out of her way and nothing was ever said again, but it was not an accidental bump. It was not something that you would expect. And all the women I've talked to since then said, yeah, that's a come on. Yeah, I well, I mean, it. usually when you're rubbing somebody's leg, that's definitely, I mean, <laughs> unless she's thinking you're a leprechaun, you're gonna pop out of the, or a genie pop out of the bottle. Something. It and but nothing ever happened with her beyond that, and probably because I put a stop to it, I just moved my leg out of her way. All right, so I want to I want to build on some of the information that that I'm aware of now. Uh, at one point, uh, Doug said that he went to school with uh, Diana Deget. Yeah, um, and. That came about during, and if I remember correctly, now my, my memory may be a little off, but that seemed to come about during either the federal, and I believe it was a federal certification effort that just kept going on and on and on. And he thought he, I thought it was a joke at the time, but now I'm not sure that he, he thought he could get some favor by just invoking his friendship or prior relationship in high school, which would have been at least... 20 years earlier. Um, All right. So the, the reason why I bring that up is it, as we start to put pieces together, we want to, you have to follow the, the, how, how everything happened, right? You have to follow the Eric Coomers. You got to follow the, the uh, Doug Winell. Um, you got to, you follow the Ed Smith, Edwin Smith, um, which I thought was interesting because you have Sandra, Ed, Eric Coomer, Doug, Ed now is works for I still believe he works for ESNS, uh, which is another election. No, he does clear ballot. I think you found yeah. a clear ballot. Yeah, clear ballot. And l let's talk really quickly about the code. Was it was a pretty extensive code? I never got to see much of the code. Okay, my testing was primarily black box testing, which is you start with the front end screen, the front end of the system, and you run the system in every way it can be run. Okay. And very seldom did I get into any of the code. And when I did, it was only the database code. The database select statements to bring certain things back into the system. Okay. So, so Sequoia, when you worked there was owned by who? Smartmatic. Okay. Smartmatic. Now there has been there has been uh, rumors that Smartmatic and Dominion have nothing to do with each other. They never had any interconnectivity. They were never the same, right? Is that true? I don't know. Um, Smartmatic at the time, we knew that their headquarters was in Venezuela, but they were incorporated technically in Florida. 
Okay. I never checked on that, but that's what I was told. But Smartmatic was forced to sell Sequoia Voting Systems, correct? They were. Okay. And coincidentally, here's a story that came up that, that I think you're aware of. Matter of fact, you shared this with me. And that is in 2008, what happened to the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems, or excuse me, of uh, Sequoia Voting Systems. The CEO of Sequoia? So, I'm sorry, CEO of Smartmatic. I, I was, I'm not sure if that was 2008. I thought it was, it was earlier. Than 2008? I thought so. There was a, there was a plane crash. That's what you're talking about? Yeah. May yeah. 2nd, 2008. No, this was, this happened while I was still an employee there. There was a plane really? crash. Yeah. All right. So tell me more about that. There, there, it, I want to say it was late 2006, just because of who I talked to at the time and when that person left. Um, that there was a plane crash. It The plane contained executives, and I want to say there were three, but I don't know exactly, but executives of Smartmatic that were on this plane. Right. And the plane went down and everyone was killed. But when the... Um, the people, the search and rescue got to the plane and found the plane. It was also loaded with cocaine. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, it, it, I went through the internet looking for dates of this event and looking for coverage of this event. And the dates range from 2006 or excuse me, 2007, 2008. There's no mention of it in 2006. So I will um, tell you that the in this plane crash, it was right outside of Caracas. It, it, it plummeted into a, a home. Um, had the um, founder of Smartmatic, Jose Anzola, on board. It it could have been early two thousand seven. I I just I I could not find the email that we received on it. Um, I may have deleted it. I just don't remember. I do know it happened, but. There could have been two two plane crashes too. I, well, I don't the, know. The reason why this particular plane crash is um, strange is because the pilot is named Mario Gaffaro. And Mario was a drug trafficker. He was actually convicted in 1999 in the US where he served three years. Um, while he was in that plane with the CEO of Smartmatic. Guys, the reason why this is important is the if the if the CEO of Smartmatic and Sequoia was owned by Smartmatic when this crash happened. Correct? Uh, if it was 2007, yes. Okay. So the CEO of Smartmatic is being piloted by a a, a drug runner who happened to spend 3 years in prison in the US. But here's what's more strange about it. He was supposed to be, when he crashed the airplane, be serving a seven-year sentence in Venezuela for drug smuggling. He was supposed to be in prison serving out his sentence, but he wasn't in prison. He was piloting an airplane with the CEO, or excuse me, the founder of Smartmatic. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. Okay. So follow me here. So you have a you have the CEO, excuse me, the founder of Smartmatic, um, that uh, Venezuelan-based election company, and you have the American subsidiary counted one in every three votes in the 2004 presidential election. Okay, that's that's by their information, not by mine. 
dies in a plane with a drug smuggler who was, fly, was, was flying him to the United States. And there's another connection here that we've talked about. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this connection in because I've been able to do a little bit more research. And guys, I'm going to tell you, it sounds crazy. What I'm saying to you does sound crazy. It sounds crazy to me too. I, if somebody brought me this story, I would say, I need to call Alex Jones. <laughs> and the reason being is because it sounds too crazy to be true. But they were on their way to the United States. And he had to get certified from the FAA in the United States to have a pilot's license to land in the United States. So how does a guy with a three-year drug conviction in the United States that's supposed to be serving a seven-year prison sentence in Venezuela get the FAA to give him a pilot's license so that he can actually work in the United States or land here in the United States? How is that possible? I'm gonna tell you, it's not possible. Unless you have an alphabet involved, CIA alphabet involved. So I don't wanna say that the CIA is involved in rigging elections in the United States. We certainly know that they are responsible for and have been involved in uh, putting their finger on the scale of the vote, of the people's vote across the globe. But we're, we're having a conversation about something that actually happened related to Smartmatic. And the left would tell us, the far left would tell us, this is all a coincidence. Chris, do you think that a lot of the things that happened in this election that they say are coincidence, do you think they're coincidences? Not in the at 2020 all. election? Absolutely not. So as we get further into this, were you ever told to lie or asked to lie? Yes, I was. Okay. Who, who asked you to lie while you were at Sequoia? Ed Smith asked me to lie about a very small, very small issue that they found with the software and lie about it to the state of Colorado. It was found after the software was certified, certified federally. Okay. The certification process is an expensive, time-consuming process to fix this little tiny issue. As a, It was an issue with translation from English to Spanish mm -hmm. on ballot initiatives. and But to fix it and get recertified would have doubled those certification expenses and taken a lot, lot more time and then the Colorado certification would have had to start all over again. Okay. So it was an issue that was found by the testers while the Colorado certification was going on. And Colorado at the time didn't even know about the issue with all of their testing. And so you basically said, I mean, I think, and I'm going to paraphrase it. You said, Hey, look, if, if you, if we don't, if you want me to fix it, is that it? You want me to fix it? Then great. We can, or if it gets fixed, what, what yeah. was the, what was the ultimate? The, the ultimate was if they find this, tell them it's not a, it's not a problem. Tell them it's fixed. Tell them we can work around it. Um, but basically lie about it. And I asked them, well, what's the workaround? How do we, how do we work around it? And I was told they're working on that. And I was like, well, if they're still working on it, I can't, I'm not going to lie to the state of Colorado election officials. If this comes up, I didn't have to announce it. The chances of the problem coming up were very slim. Uh, the problem was a length issue. They had so many characters that they could use to put the title of a ballot initiative in English. Well, when that got translated to Spanish, that length got longer. If that got beyond the maximum, 
then the initiatives would get cut off. That was the problem. If the initiatives had the title stay small enough and the translation stay small enough, it wasn't an issue. But I told Ed directly that there was no way I was going to lie to election officials at the state of Colorado. That sounded like committing a felony. Right. He told me it wasn't committing a felony, and I told him to prove that to me. He just said, I just told you it wasn't. And I told him that's not good enough. I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to necessarily volunteer the information because it's really, if they notice it when they put their election together, all the wording and all the stuff can can be fixed. You can re rearrange words or change words slightly to not change the meaning, but the election can, can still go forward. But it was never seen to be a problem that I knew of. So they asked you to lie. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. And, and this would have been in June-ish of 2007. Okay. So June of 2007, they asked you to lie. You, I'm looking at a bunch of emails. I know Josh stepped out, stepped out for a minute, so I'm going to come back to this. But I looked at some of the emails that you had dating back to 2007. And up until the point of them terminating you, they were praising you on amazing work. From time to time, I got a lot of compliments and a lot of praise for the work I was doing. Um, in 2006, the Arizona certification was extremely important to them because it did not get certified in 2005. And I went down there with two others and we put together an election. We had the meeting, a one day meeting, they voted on the certification and it went very smoothly. Now there was a lot of work the day before getting everything hooked up because we literally had to bring a computer network, get it working to have a sub network within sitting in their office with all the machines working and run every machine and, and run ballots and, and everything. And so it was a lot of work and a little bit of headache, but we worked through all the issues. Um, actually, it was Eric Coomer who was my uh, support during that time. Okay. And that came through and he helped with every problem that we were running into. I don't remember exactly. So Eric Coomer was the person that helped do the implementation and certification at different states? He, yeah, he was the support. He was the, the support in the office. When people out in the field were having issues, they would call and he would help. There were others that would help too. Right. But he was one of the primary ones. Doug was also primary for helping, um, having issues with getting things working. Um, and after the certification in Arizona, uh, a gentleman by the name of Paul Nolte, who was in charge of certifications at that time, Right. he asked me directly if I would come and do certifications for him full-time. Okay. And he complimented me on my ability to fix all the problems, my ability to present, um, and the smoothness at the meeting, and the, the state certification went flawlessly, really. And I turned him down at the time because I didn't want to travel as much as he did. It would require 80 to hundred percent travel. And that was not something in my plans. Right. So then we fast forward even further and that there was an election and you were on the, on the conference call with the president yeah. of Sequoia voting systems. So yeah. when was that? And that was August what 29th, August 29th. There was a conference call. There, there, there were lots of elections, and I don't remember the reason for this conference call. It was company-wide. 
And at one point during this conference call, and this is really the only thing I remember from it because it told me I need to leave. Uh, Jack Blaine, the president of Sequoia, said directly how proud he was that he had employees that when they ran into problems during an election, that they could access the election database with a small program, correct the problems that needed to be corrected, and then back everything out and all evidence that they were ever there. Okay, so I want to stop you there for a minute. Were you just paying attention to that? So what Chris is saying is they had this external program. This isn't a program that was built into the system, correct? Correct. But they could access the election results the night of the election, get in there, make any changes that were necessary to overcome any corrections that need to be done in the system, get out of the system, back out of it, and there would be no signs that they ever were inside of the system. That's what they said. And that was on August 29th. That was on August 29th. Okay. Now, guys, if you'll do me a favor and just hit the share button. But before, as you hit the share button, I'm going to read you a uh, thing from one of our sponsors. Um, so obviously, you know that I am a member of uh, the Air Med Care Network. Um, so we want to make sure that our family is protected in a medical emergency. And many of you don't realize that the health insurance won't cover the full amount of an emergency medical flight. So if you get in a car accident, um, one of the pamphlets they just sent me over is if I'm in a different state and I have to go from hospital to hospital in a different state to Colorado, they'll actually pay for that. Um, so you could get hit with a high deductible and even co-pays if they carry or cover part of it. So that's why Air, Care, uh, Air Med Care Network membership is so important. As a member, if an emergency arises, you won't see a bill for air medical transport when, fly, when flown by an AMCN provider. Best of all, membership covers your entire household for only $85 a year. And it actually goes down from there. Uh, AMCN providers are called upon to transport more than 100,000 patients a year. This is coverage no family should be without. If you use the code DAILY, D-A-I-L-Y, you will receive up to a $50 gift card um, to use as you wish. I will tell you that I, I bought it because it was the cheapest insurance I think that I could get. Um, obviously, I'm a, li <laughs> I'm a little bit more of a high risk than you are just because of the work that I've done across the country, but I would still recommend it for you and your family. Okay, so I wanna go back to what we just talked about, which is super, super important. What Chris is saying is they had a program on the outside and that program would get into the system. This is from the president of the company and he was on a conference call. That was the 29th. He said they could go in, they could make the corrections inside of an election, get out, back out all the information so it looked like they were never there. Exactly. So if I if I go back to June-ish of 2007, I think that's about where you where you talked about before. If I go back to June of 2007, that's when they asked you to lie. Yeah, it was June or July, but okay. yeah, it was in that time frame. It was during the Colorado certification process, which was an extremely long, drawn-out, ugly process. Okay, so let, let's hypothetically say it's June or July. You don't know for sure. I mean, I, I'm still trying to scour through a bunch of the emails you sent over to me uh, to, to understand um, the timeline as well. So if anybody wants to, I'm going to make this disclaimer right now. There, He might be off on some of the dates. He might be. We're, we're talking 14 years ago. Right. Right. And you were able to go back and at least uh, get some recollection by going through emails and other information that you had um, that you kept. And, and hats off to you for keeping as much information as you did. 
um, given how many years ago it was, right? Yeah, I, I actually wasn't sure. I actually, I had kept it. <laughs> and the thing that jogged it back in the, my memory was your interview with Michelle Malkin yeah. last year. Yeah, that was a fun interview. And, and you reached out to Michelle Malkin. I did. Yeah. So, I, and as you, as, you, as you started going through some of the information, it became more clear to you. Yeah, there right. a lot of the stuff came came very clear that um, there was a lot potentially. And this is this is my opinion. This yeah. isn't anything I can prove in writing or know for sure. But the fact that Sandy came in and was coming on to me, the fact that they asked me to lie, the fact that they constantly wanted to know if I was a Republican or a Democrat, um, putting all that stuff together, and then. In 2007, the certification process at Colorado even got beyond ridiculous. And so it seemed to me that Sequoia and Colorado were working together in some way. I didn't know exactly. And, but I was, right before they terminated me, I was told I couldn't go back to the state of Colorado for the certification. Um, to give you an example, uh, John Gardner, who was the person in charge of the election certification, yes, in 2006, in the November election of 2006, that went very badly at Denver, and Sequoia had their machines at the Denver County elections, and Denver, and they they were posting election uh, articles and interviews and information was going out all the time about how bad the Sequoia machines were, right. Well, I was inside the counting room and I had to bring a new machine in because they claimed the machine wasn't working. So I put together a machine to count paper ballots, took it to the room. I was actually in there watching them use it. This is a machine that would count 400 ballots a minute. They were using it to count about 60 a minute and maybe even longer. They would take very small batches, pass them through hand after hand after hand. We're talking in a room that is probably 30 by 20, and they had tables set up, and they somebody would pick up ballots. They would count them. They would pass them to the next person. He would count them. They were all writing it down. They would go back and forth. It was a snake-like to get to the voting machine or the counting machine. When they put the ballots in there, they would recount them as they came out. They would look at, see what counted on the counting machine, and then they would start the process all over again. It took forever to get votes counted. And it was just completely and utterly ridiculous. Well, that whole thing went to court, and John Gardner had certified the machines, and I don't know who was suing who or how that all worked out. I'm assuming it was Denver suing the state. John Gardner had to admit that he didn't know why the machines didn't work for Denver, and he got very embarrassed by a judge. That's the rumors that I heard back. I was never in the courtroom. I was never saw any of that. He never said anything. And you've never had, you've never, in the time that I've spent with you going through all this, you've never tried to uh, inject any sort of um, uh, hyperbole or add your own flavor to it. You have stayed very firm to the facts. And you've backed those facts up with written documentation. The interesting part about it, I want to walk through this part. So in June, you were asked, shortly after you said you wouldn't lie, you were asked not to go back to the Colorado. Yeah, that was in August. Okay, in August. You were in August, they said, please, you, you cannot go back. Right. The, okay. the Colorado did not want me there. I was there 
John, during the whole time, I would go there every week for sure, sometimes every day, answering questions, uh, providing more supplies, more, you know, whatever, whatever they needed. Um, supplies could have been anything from voting cards to voting cartridges and so on. And we right. would take all this information, all this stuff to them because they were just literally down the street. It was literally like three blocks. All right. So that you, you, that was in, that was in August. 2007. Yeah. The certification process started in June and went through August. All right. So then, so put, put all that aside, go to the 29th. You had a call with uh, Blaine, who was the president of Sequoia. Mm -hmm. The 30th after that call, what happened? I started making phone calls to recruiters that I knew as it was time to leave. I was not going to stay at a company who was, in my view, committing election fraud in any way, shape, or form. It was time to go. I was not going to go to jail for anybody. And things were going badly at Colorado. I felt like I was being put forth as a fall guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't like it. Everything was difficult, and it shouldn't have been difficult. But it was time to go. So I made phone calls and I actually, one of the recruiters I called was the person who got me the job at Sequoia. And so I did a little bit of research and I dug in personally, obviously, you know, I was the CEO of a data company. And uh, so I, while I was sitting there, was going through these recruiters that you actually contacted and was able to draw a, a, a line back from that recruiter to two of the staff at Sequoia Voting Systems. Now, I'm not gonna tell you who they are. You and I have discussed a little bit about that. But I'm going to and I told you, well, the reason why you lost your job. So that was on the 30th, mm -hmm. right? And what happened on the 31st? 31st, um, mid to late afternoon, uh, Sandy called me into Ed's office. I, I was working on another certification of some nature. I don't remember which. And yep. they gave me a letter of termination, told me that I had insulted a member of the board, of the election board at Colorado. And they were terminating me because of it. I asked to see the video, listen to the audio of that occurring. And they didn't have it. They told me the decision's been made. You're on your way. You're, you're out. Okay. So the decision's been made. They made an excuse. Now, what was interesting is this happened on the 31st, correct? Correct. But what was the letter dated? The letter was dated August 30th. And August 30th, before the end of the day, you made a phone call to the recruiter and you told the recruiter you feel like there's some unethical things happening here Get i me did out. Okay. i did i and i the and the reason i did is she asked why are you leaving i thought you liked this job I said i did like the job there are things that are happening that i don't think should be happening i think they're illegal and i need to get out of here because i don't want to be around anything illegal yeah so they ask you to lie in june you are on a call with Blaine who talks about a separate system that's outside of Sequoia Voting Systems system that can go in, make the corrections to the voter tallies, get out of that system without even being detected. Correct. Okay. Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Just I'm going to do the small math for you. Sequoia Voting Systems was then sold to Dominion Voting Systems? No. They were put... There was an investigation by the federal government. Mm -hmm. Smartmatic was forced to sell it. Well, they 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 stopped that investigation. They started saying that we're going to be completely transparent. We're going to cooperate. That ha that went on for a while, and then all at once one day, 
They said no to the federal government. You can't see any more information, mm -hmm. and we're going to sell Sequoia okay. off. Yeah. And the rumor had it that there was a group of investors that included some, I don't know who, but some of the executives of the current executives of Sequoia, and they were all going to buy Sequoia from Smartmatic. Yeah. Okay. Which became... I don't know. I mean, I think it, it, it was always called Sequoia. I, that was still in process when I left. Yep. Um, I never knew what happened with that because it was still called Sequoia. I did do some following, trying to follow Sequoia to see what was going on. And I saw that they were sold to Dominion three years later. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what happened. In the in the in-between of all that. Yeah. But they, through that investigation, not giving the government information, they lost some of their certification at Sequoia. Is that correct? I don't know I what do. would have happened. They, they did lose their certification in multiple areas. Now they, okay. They, they did have, through this process, it, what was interesting is that Eric Coomer started uh, just before you? Yeah, about three or four months before yeah. I did. And um, Eric Coomer went from Sequoia to Dominion Voting Systems. Right. By his own. So Eric Coomer worked for Smartmatic <laughs> because it was owned by Sequoia. Then he worked for Sequoia. I assume that Sequoia was then, then either acquired or sold off to Dominion Voting Systems. He holds the patent for adjudication. Did you, are you aware of that? I was not. Okay. So he holds it with other people. Coincidentally enough, some of the other people that he holds that with are some of the same people that you've actually mentioned in this podcast. Why, why doesn't that surprise me? I can't imagine that it would. <laughs> the deeper I get, one of the things that amazes me is that Chris has information that he doesn't know he has. I, I told him to go home and said, write all this stuff down. I want you to write down this. So he wrote multiple pages and we'll, we'll actually post some of this, of, of the information that you put up. But the, it, it, it shows a pattern of habit. It shows that what we're dealing with today, they perfected it long ago. Now you could say, oh, come on, that's Joe, that's a coincidence, this is a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not because of the things that we're talking about happening when you have databases that get completely deleted like they were in Maricopa County, when you have uh, admin passwords and other things that Dominion had control over in Maricopa County that would not turn over to the auditors in Maricopa County. You have the things that are happening in Antrim County where they broke the code with Matt DiPerno when in breaking that code, we're able to reproduce what happened in the election, the night of the election on November 3rd, it becomes very difficult to ignore. And that that's not the only two places. We have Fulton County, Georgia. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. This is some of the other stuff that's happening around the country. In Fulton County, Georgia, a couple nights ago, somebody broke into the election, uh, the warehouse where all the election uh, ballots are kept and uh, so they showed up and there was no one there. But the place was wide open. Wow. This happened. The Gateway Pundit. You can look it up. So I'm going to take a minute really quick because we didn't start the show this way. And sorry, Chris, I feel that today is Memorial Day um, weekend. And so I want to take a minute and uh, we're just going to take a 30-second moment of silence. If you're listening to this on the podcast we are going to go. We are going to go um, completely dark for thirty seconds, and this is just to honor those that lost their life 
and sacrificing so that we could have the nation that we had yesterday. I would say today, but today has changed quite a bit. So happy Memorial Day. It's tough to say happy Memorial Day, but we want to honor those that have given up so much so that you can have the opportunities you have today. Okay, so I thought it was important that we did that. And, um, you know, it, it's hard for, and sorry, everybody say, thanks, Josh. He's just getting back in the chair after being gone. And he's been playing with a lightsaber. So we had a little bit of a goof up because Max isn't here. Yeah, but it doesn't diminish today by any way. No, any bit. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it means a lot to me today. So. And all that he's given everything for us, so. Thank you to all of them. Absolutely. So we're joined right now by Chris York, if you're just joining us. And Chris worked for Sequoia Voting Systems for a couple years. Um, uh, he worked with Eric Coomer. There was a story you told me that I thought was pretty interesting, and that is it was your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um there was a day where Eric and I found out that we both had birthdays in the same month. And this was in July and probably yeah. in July of 2006. And he immediately reaches into a desk drawer, pulls out a mostly drank bottle of Jack Daniels and wanted me to have a drink with him right then in celebration of our birthday month. All right. I turned him down. A couple of reasons I turned him down was number one, I am not a big drinker and I don't do shots. But um, we're also at work and I had ridden a motorcycle to work that day and I made a promise to myself a long time ago that whenever I'm on my motorcycle, I would not drink any alcohol because I didn't want to take any chance of any type of um, problem from the alcohol while I'm driving a motorcycle. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good thing to do, I think. But but there, I've said on the show that uh, although I don't like leftist, radical extremists, what I call terrorists, I believe the left are liars. Um, there are some things that he did that I thought were kind of funny. That was one of the funny things that I think that Eric well, could he, have done. He got a bit angry with me over it. He, he couldn't yeah. believe I would say no. That was one thing. Um, some of the other things that he would do. Oh, this is crazy. Yeah. He, um, when, when I would post some kind of a problem that he had to fix, sometimes we had to go and discuss it, which was fine. Go into his office. He would ask me questions and he would be typing away and I'm assuming he would be fixing the programming. And then all at once, he would try something and it would anger him so much that he would flip off his screen with both hands in a very animated way. And then he'd go back to typing again. As if everything's fine. As if everything was fine. But you could see visibly he was angry. His actions were so ridiculous. 
And then after he got done, he would tell me, go, go try it again. So I would leave and go back to my desk and, and work on it from there. But, um, and this is back when he looked like an Elvis impersonator. Yeah. He, uh, he, I don't know about an impersonator. He had a hairstyle that was 50 style Elvis style. All right. He drove a car that was of that era, which I thought the car was cool. But, um, and I didn't really care how he looked. He seemed to be a decent programmer, but the problems we had with the code always seemed odd because elections don't seem to be that hard to me. Right. And you're a tester and you know, you know about, this is what you do. You toast the, you, you see me, you test the efficacy of the system. Right. So what, what was odd about it? Just too complicated? No, I I don't know. It just, we kept having problems. I mean, there were always problems with things not showing up in the exact spot they were supposed to show up on a screen when they made changes. So something would get moved. Little things like that. that, That's not important. That's just spacing. Um, But there were problems where the process either wouldn't start or a process would stop. Um, it, It wouldn't program the program wouldn't write the program correctly to go to the machine and work um there were tally process there were reporting process problems you know it it just seemed really odd that all the problems we continually had because other than it's pretty simple one plus one equals two well you put the ballots through they scan the ballots they take those ballots they tabulate them against the people that are voting and 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 stop. Yeah. Other than drivers for the machines, drivers for printers, you know, things like that. And the, and the machines were different and they had proprietary software on them as well. They right. didn't the the actual voting machines, the touchscreen machines, did not run from Windows. They had another machine that was a ballot machine. I don't think it ran from Windows either. Okay. And then they had the high speed counting ballot, the the paper ballot machine that did run off of a Windows computer. Yeah. But um, it it just seemed a bit odd. Some of the problems that we had, things would change, things would shift. Um, you know, when we were testing, suddenly the high speed machine was missing a certain something, so it wasn't looking in the right place. Well, why wouldn't it be looking in the right place? That place didn't change. And things would so, change. So there were integrity issues in the company the entire time you were there. It seemed like it. I mean, to me, the hardest part of the software was getting the number of ballot styles right and getting the ballot styles perfected because you have, you know, the state representatives and their specific area, the state Senate representatives and their specific area. Then you have the federal House of Representatives and their areas that are different. You have the water district, you have the fire district, you have the police district. Right, right. All those are different, and all of those create different ballot styles. Correct. And that part never was broken. And that seemed to be the hardest part of all, is getting all of those ballot styles correct. So then what was broken? Well, you know, things wouldn't line up, things wouldn't add right, um, Certain marks got missed on certain machines from time to time, and they would have to fix them. Um, just odd things like that. Reports wouldn't come up exactly right. Um, Reports wouldn't come up exactly right, meaning that they wouldn't tabulate correctly? No, it just wasn't printed right. Okay. Um, but why would any of that code change? 
Well, it wouldn't be on me. And you're, and you're a tester. So these are all questions from a tester from the technology side that would concern me. Well, it concerned me too. It just, but you, you learn over the years that you just keep, you know, you make changes in one part of a, of code and it can create bad things happen in another part of the code. That's, that happens all the time. It happened to me when I was a programmer, but, um, from a test perspective to have these reoccur all the time. I mean, in the two years I was there, I alone found more than 200 bugs. And a lot, you know, a lot of those are simple things, a spelling error, little placements on the screen, not quite right, but there were bigger ones. And when I would find some of the bigger ones, and and at least at one point, Eric told me what a great job it was to find a certain bug that I found. And I don't even remember what it was, but we were getting in the elevator and he was talking about it and praising that I found this, this great find because it was a, a hard one to find. So, you know, it just seemed odd. I did have at one point a conversation with Doug about how, why are the federal certification process? Why is that so difficult? Why is it so long? Why are there so many questions? Because I told him it really ought to be a dog and pony show. We're just showcasing how the software works, how you run an election. That's really all they're doing with it. They're doing a code review just to see that there's nothing nefarious going on, but they put that code together. It should work flawlessly. And it never did. It never did. And Eric Coomer worked with you. Yeah, he was one of the principal developers at the time. He was one of the what? One of the principal developers. He was one of the ones that led the development effort. I don't know if he had that title, but it was clear that a lot of um, decisions he would make on who did certain types of coding and he would coordinate it. It was clear Doug was also coordinating some of that effort. Doug coordinated a lot of different efforts. There There were a lot of different people there. But most of the Sequoia development happened in Denver and all the testing happened in Denver. So I, I want everybody to understand that when you, when you align all of the details collectively, what Chris is saying is not, it's not earth shattering on its, by itself. It's not like Chris is coming out and talking about that he's, got the the one page document about Eric Coomer or Sequoia voting systems. It's the number of events that happened over the period of those two years combined with what we're seeing today. Now, the system that they built on inside of uh, Dominion voting systems, they don't want anyone to have access to that system. They said, oh, it's proprietary. You can't have access to it. Its primary job is to do one thing, and that is count votes. That's it. It's supposed to count votes, send that information up to CIDL. CIDL then sends that on via API to the New York Times, to Edison Data. I think I got that right. Edison Data. Um, it, it's not supposed to be a complicated process. No, it shouldn't be a complicated process. But right now, everywhere we turn, when we talk about Dominion voting systems, we are uncovering more and more nefarious activity as it results as it relates to dominion voting systems but they want us to believe that it's all coincidence it's not a coincidence that you by the way made a call to the recruiter on the 30th and that they wrote the letter on the 30th and then you lost your job on the 31st that is not a coincidence i know you say that i would prefer not to believe that but at this point i would believe almost anything 
Yeah, it is. It 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 amazes me the amount of things that, or the amount of of connective tissue that we're dealing with across the across the board. It's amazing to me. So, what else do you think that you know that would be important to uh, talk to our listeners out there about your time at Sequoia? You did something right after you left Sequoia. Oh, well, I made a phone call to the, I think it was the EAC. Okay. Um, to try and inform them that we have a company, a voting machine company that is doing stuff it shouldn't be doing. Get someone to look into it. They, t- they asked me what state this all occurred in. I didn't know a particular state. I knew I couldn't contact the state of Colorado because of all the problems that were going on there. But the EAC told me that it was a state issue. Okay. So it's a state issue. You did something else then. Then I decided to write a letter. I, should, I probably should have written a letter to EAC. I didn't. But okay. I decided I better write a letter. And I wrote one to Wayne Allard's office. He was a Republican senator at the time. I faxed it and I mailed it. And I never heard a word back from them either. So you never heard a word back from Wayne Allard's office? Nope. The EAC said it's a state issue. Yep. And nobody it, cared. Nobody cared. Nobody followed up with it. Never. Nobody did anything. And, and he was a Republican. Yeah. And he did nothing. And because the other senator was at the time was, um, oh boy, I can't think of his name, right after Ben Campbell. Who came right after Ben Campbell? No idea. Salazar. Sal- Salazar. Salazar. Okay. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking of. And so. I didn't want to contact Salazar because I'm working with a bunch of Democrats who are doing things wrong. And so tried tried a senator. I didn't know who else to talk to. I really didn't. I didn't know how far this access would go, but who am I supposed to talk to at that point? But you, when you left this position in August, you went and just got another position doing testing somewhere else. Right. So you weren't you weren't bitter about it. You were upset over the fact that you at started this saying, I'm doing really important work. And then the further you got down the rabbit hole, the more it seemed that they were trying to do work for a particular political party. It seemed like they were trying to cause problems. I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to say any political party. I if they were cheating, I think it would came just come to whoever is giving them the most money to do this. Okay. So you thought it had to do with money? Sure. Why wouldn't it? Well, it's an interesting theory. The the thing that I look at is the close connections and the connective tissue to what we're seeing today and the clear bias that Dominion voting systems have from the standpoint of political leanings. Granted, there there is that part, but I didn't think that they would limit themselves to Democrat winning elections. I didn't think that 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 really mattered. I thought it was probably more along the lines of we can help whoever wants to give us the biggest dollars. But it could have been give, give us money and we'll only work work for Democrats. I, I don't know. I never saw this program. I never knew of this program until they came clean with it at that on that conference call. Okay, so I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out why, if you just go through it, why they would ask you to lie for something small that you thought that they would never see anyway. 
right? Right. You you say you're not going to do that. They pull you off the certification. They have this call with the president of the company saying that he's proud of the employees that can go in and do covert, covert work without anybody detecting them, fix an election, and get back out. The next day, you call a recruiter. I'm going to tell you what I think, only because of the right. information I was able to share with you, that your recruiter then calls back to your place of employment and says, hey, by the way, he's on to you guys. You, and I, I don't know if that's the words that were used. I'm not going to, and that's why I'm not using her name. I'm not going to put her name out there. But that happens on the 30th. They draft a letter on the 30th. They wait till midday through the 31st. They fire you on the 31st. You then call the EAC. The EAC says it's a state issue. You send a fax, which you still have, the fax confirmation sheet, the fax cover sheet, and the letter you sent to Wayne Allard's office, and silence, crickets. Right. That's exactly why it happened. So I'm going to let all of you be the judge as to what happened. What do you think happened? Hey, can we take any calls, Josh? All right. So if you'd like to call in, you can call at 888-441-1121. That's 888-441-1121. If you want to ask Chris any any questions, you're welcome to call. We can put it up on the screen as well. Do you feel comfortable answering any questions? Sure. See if anybody has any questions for you. Um, I think the amazing part about this is that there are a lot of people out there that have worked for Sequoia, that have worked for Dominion, that should be able to come forward. I do know there was a billionaire that offered a million dollars for information about Eric Coomer. I was then told that that billionaire uh, was trying to collect information and that he's left-leaning, but he would rather collect and, and make sure that information never went public. Did you hear about that? No, I have not heard yeah. about that. So one said, oh, he's a patriot. He's standing up. And then I got a phone call from someone that said, Joe, you have no idea what just happened. They offered a million dollars for information about uh, Dominion Voting Systems and Eric Coomer only to bury that information. So I want to tell everyone that if you share this information, uh, Chris came forward to talk to me. We're actually connecting him with other people so we can get this message from Chris out there. So people understand that this is this has been a pattern. This is a pattern of what they've done dating back to uh, 2007, 2006, uh, and before that. And th the reason why I bring up, and by the way, it's April of 2008 is when that plane crash happened in Venezuela that killed the founder of Smartmatic. The reason why I bring that up is because the cloud of suspicion of the type of people that are working in those environments and the American voice, the, the voice of the American people, the vote of the American people should never be for sale. So while we wait for a couple of callers, 888-441-1121, I want to I bring this up because I think that, um, I think you guys will find this interesting. There is a new um, documentary coming out. And Josh, did you see this? I'm going to send you the, the thing and maybe we can play it on here. Let me grab it really quick for you guys. But there's a there's a there's a movie coming out that I think you'll find. It's called Deep Rig. Some of you have probably heard of this movie um, that's out there. And um, I'm going to see if I can get this sent over to Josh here in a minute. But it's a movie that uh, Steve and Patrick uh, Byrne have put together. It it and we have the trailer. Do we have a caller? We'll do the caller and then I'll send you the trailer so the caller can ask Chris some questions. Who do we have? All right, he's working it. Nor what's, what's that? 
Gammy Sparkles. Oh my goodness. Gammy Sparkles is on. Gammy, are you there? Gammy, are you there? Gammy, Gammy is not there. Everyone would be happy to hear from Gammy Sparkles. So Gammy Sparkles is a grandmother, great grandmother. Um, she's German. She's on fire. There, there is, there is never a time that it's a dull moment when Gammy Sparkles gets on the on the podcast. And Josh is getting her up. So the the name of this movie, some of you have actually probably already seen it, called The Deep Rig. And the deep rig is um, goes through all the things that have happened in the election, going all the way back. We got her, Gammy. You there? I'm here, baby. How are you? I'm, you know, doing my thing. All right, thanks for calling in. Joe at a game the other day. No, you didn't. That is not true. That is that is fake news. You did not beat me at a game. (laughs) Nobody beats me at cornhole ever. Well, baby. You better buckle your seatbelt because there'll come a day when I will beat you. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's thanks a for challenge. I'm not giving that up. All right. Thanks for coming on. I, you know, do you have a question for Chris that he can answer for you? Yeah, actually, um, you know, I've, I've been listening to him talk and a couple of things. Number one, it's Memorial Day. It's a day when we honor all the fallen yes. who did so so that we could be free to say whatever we want, do whatever we want within, you know, legal means. But listening to Chris talk, you know, um, it, 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 he was talking about the, 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 the lady coming after him and I was dying. I about peed my pants laughing when he was talking about that. But that was a good little piece of humor, but it was just a tactic. These people who are doing this kind of... Um, you know, listen, Chris, if somebody was rubbing my leg, I would want to know why. And they <laughs> either get a pat on the face or they get a kick in the you know what. Hey, do you One think or the other. do you think you bad. actually do you think you lost the uh, game of uh, cornhole because I was rubbing your leg? You think that's maybe what happened? Oh, hell no. I don't do that. You've got a hot wife. I do. I, and, 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 and Joe, I don't share. I don't share. I don't share either. My wife doesn't well, share. Well, I don't want somebody. I do have a hot wife. To somebody else. Yeah. You know, I want my own. But no, I mean, I'm joking because it's been such a, this is such a tense subject. And yeah. I got to tell you, I'm scared to death listening to Chris tell us all this stuff. Because yeah. every time someone has the, the bravery to speak up, the nasties come out of the woodwork. And, and, and I wanted to ask Chris if he has backed up his data and made sure that somewhere independent it sits with someone else besides you. I think you backed it up with Epstein's company, right? Was, I'm just kidding. I'm oh, just, hell. Kidding. No. just kidding. You're done. You're dead. <laughs> Don't we, be there, doing are, that. there are multiple copies of everything. Um, so I, I haven't backed up everything that I've sent Joe in the last week. But um, the my email mailbox is backed up in multiple places, and everything I had prior or additional at the time is in a paper form printed out, and I have the the files. 
Well, you better separate everything in safe places because let me tell you, after what we watched in the last 10 months, I wouldn't trust most of those people in a poop house with a muzzle on. These people are insidious. They are not playing around. This is no game to them. They're going to win if they have to wipe us out unless we can expose them. I can get the I can get everything into an into a safe off away from my home. There's no question about that. Well, I think the other yeah. thing we can yeah, do is you we, can don't just, want... we can just post it. Yeah. We can post it all. We just yeah. put it That's out true. there and, and just post make a public record. And 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 save it. Yeah. Well, make, I, I take all your thank emails you and make them public. Trooper. Well, we yeah. can if that's something you want to uh, do. I think we should. There, there's a lot of emails, and you, I didn't grab the format in a way that anything could get changed. Okay. So there's a, a program people can get for free that allow them to look at the emails. Okay, perfect. I think we'll um, try that one. The, the problem with some of that is um, you know, they name a lot of other people that may not have been helping them. Yeah. yeah. I think the, what do you I think mean the, by that? Well, what do you mean people, not helping them? Well, the, you know, I think that Doug, Ed, Eric, Sandy, and at least the CEO, Jack, they were, that's a small group of what was about 100 employees at the time in three different offices. Yeah. So I don't think that there were a lot of people helping them. I think part of why they chose me is that I am a good tester. And I have found very um, hard to find bugs in software from time to time that most people would not would never find. Right. So I think that's why well, they chose me. And they were trying to figure out if they could if I was corruptible. Well, well they- you see, like a really humble person, Chris, you know, like, 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 like me, I scream and yell and gouge the walls, try to climb them. I go a little crazy and, and you seem really in control of yourself. Like, um, you know, I'd be going crazy right now if I were carrying what you're carrying. Remember Josh, where you had me crawling on the ceiling like a witch? Well, that I go nuts with this because nobody wants to believe that bad things are happening right now. And they are, and we are in a battle like never before. So it's pretty brave of you to do that, and you've got to watch yourself. I, you know, as far as putting the email box out there, I would rather figure out how to get pictures of every email and mark out the names that are are not relevant. Right. That'd probably be a good idea. That that would be, I, I just don't want everybody else's name to get out there and other people to get harassed because I'm coming forward. Right. Well, I mean, I think that, uh, yes. And there, there's a lot of them. I mean, there, there, there are a few thousand emails. But. Do you remember John Denver wrote a song to Buckminster Fuller who created the geodesic dome and he wrote this song called What One Man Can Do? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to take a bunch of us one man. Dan Bongino calls it the 10th man out. If you listen to him, you know, nine people in the media will lie. And he was looking for that one man. Well, I think we are all going to have to be the 10th man out if we're going to get this done. I agree with you 100%. I, 
we have to take a stand as a group. And one of the things I said to Chris is, Chris, you're going to, this is going to cause you pain. Are you prepared for the pain? He said, yes, I am. I think I have at least a chance to defend myself. I can't say that I will definitely get by. I am not suicidal. If I am found dead and someone claims suicide, that's a bold-faced lie. I will not, under any circumstances, kill myself. So, just like well, Jeffrey that's Epstein, good. That's he's good, not committing That's their big thing they use. You know, the, yeah. the Clintons, the Obamas, they've got a trail of tears of the people around them. It's just humongous. Yeah, it's, it's sad that we have to have that conversation. It's sad that we have to say those things. Lisa, thanks for actually bringing that up. That's a good point. Um, that that is Chris making a public statement. You're just basically saying that I'm not I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not suicidal, and if they find me dead, it's because um, somebody killed me. Yeah, I'm not going to pull a. Was it George Foster that committed suicide by shooting himself in the head twice? Yeah, twice. <laughs> Double reaction. Yeah, and you're so. you're you're in a Second Amendment friendly state, and. We do own a gun store and range, so if you need some ammo, we'll definitely get you taken care of. And I got my machete. <laughs> and you got your machete now. and a hatchet. You got to tell people about your hatchet. You got to tell Chris about your hatchet, too. I just bought it to go with my bug out bag. Listen, Chris, you need to put together a Jason Hansen bug out bag with medical stuff and fishing the whole, you know, um, hooks and things like they do on Naked and Afraid. And you need to have your machete and other things in there for emergency. If you don't have, you know, guns, get a little big bolt, stick it in a sock, tie a knot, bonk them on the head with it. You've got to <laughs> have stuff. Well, I have reinforced the doors to my home. And no, don't, don't tell everybody what you've done. We don't want to tell everybody what you've done. Yeah, don't, don't tell them about the Claymore when they come in the window either. Don't you tell know, them about yeah. that one. No, I'm, I, um, the, the, I, like I said, I think I have a chance to defend myself and Good. Well, Gammy, I have put together a number of things to be ready to move. Okay. Well, if you need us, we'll come take care of you and your wife and family in that house. We'll all come stand outside. With machetes and, bushes. and hatchets and 50 cows. And teeth. Don't forget the teeth, Joe. Oh, okay. I don't even want to know about that. We're going to leave that one out of it. Hey, Gammy, thanks for calling. We love you. Have a great day. Hope you have some barbecue today. And, uh, you know, uh, you know. again, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. So we, we are going to play a trailer. And this is pretty – this is a connection between the – uh, the coup that I believe was brought on the American people. Uh, Joe Biden did not win the presidential election. The bad part about it is I believe that there are many other elections across this country that were stolen as well at the local level. But we have a trailer for The Deep Rig. And it's a movie that I think you guys are all going to want to see. It'll be released on June 19th. Josh, go ahead and play the trailer. Turn it up. This is not about right or left. This audit is about right and wrong. If the evidence comes forth and it's obvious, 
in a, in a big way, then that would be to me the catalyst that could change a lot of things. I had a ringside seat to events from November 3rd, 2020, and feel a duty to tell the world what happened. My only interest is honestly conveying the truth for historical purpose. You're gonna have a situation, I suspect, that at 10 o'clock on election night, Trump is winning. Georgia looking for some of that Atlanta vote right now. That's too early to call. The person running a precinct is as powerful as the president of the United States on voting day. And he gets on the television, he says, thank you Americans for reelecting me. It's all over, have a good day. Frankly, we did win this election. Water pipe has broken inside the arena. All the tabulation of those ballots has now stopped. What did they have to hide? But then the next day, all of those mail-in ballots start getting counted. They're mail-in ballots, provisional ballots, other ballots that still have to be counted. And it turns out that Biden has won those states. There's an information war. News stations, they just parrot the same thing over and over. You know, that's why they're called Mockingbird Media, right? He is president-elect Joseph Robinette Biden. You repeat a lie often enough until you don't need to repeat it anymore. At which point Trump says, see, I told you the whole thing was fraudulent. Totally rigged. Election. It's a rigged election. This is a rigged system. We all knew that politicians lie and they cheat and they steal. I don't think any of us knew how bad it really was. <laughs> you can't talk anymore about ideas. You get canceled. If we don't fix our election integrity now, we may no longer have a democracy. As this is a revolution by the elites against the people. If my vote doesn't count, your vote doesn't count, you know, what are we doing? A mob, domestic terrorists, incited by the president, stormed the U.S. Capitol. Donald Trump appearing to be reveling in the spectacle. USA! 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 But I want you to know, it's not over, and we have not lost. There's still much more evidence that will come out. You couldn't make this stuff up. You couldn't. It's unbelievable. And actually, I think most people that come up with unbelievable things are crazy yeah. until you find out they're true. <laughs> so I asked Steve not to put me in the not to put me in the trailer. And you're you're going to hear some amazing things that happen in this uh, movie that reinforce the things that I was able to learn, uh, not just back before the election in September of 2020. But I asked Steve, don't put me in the trailer. Please don't put me in the trailer. So he called me, he sent me a text message. He said, brother. Uh, and by the way, Steve is a, was a Hollywood producer, has produced massive, uh, you know, blockbuster movies across Hollywood. He is also persona non grata now. Um, but uh, I asked him not, please don't put me in the, in the movie. He goes, Joe, I got good news for you. I did not put you in the trailer, I put you at the end of it. <laughs> so it, uh, it, it'll be, uh, it's gonna be a great documentary. It is very well done. Um, paper trail being irrelevant. What? To the, the vote count, wanna talk about that? Yeah, yeah, you wanna talk about that real quick? Yeah, it's kind of the last thing. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I've heard over and over and over again from the election 
is that if they were doing anything nefarious, that the the votes, the final vote count would not match the paper trail. Right. Well, from the start of me working at Sequoia, they they almost mocked the paper trail, saying that you know every touchscreen machine had a paper trail of printed vote so that they knew how the vote was going to be counted. Oh yeah, I forgot about this part. And this is actually one of the most important parts. And so the thing is, on a touchscreen machine, it's basically a cash register tape that's either 300 or 400 feet long. Right. And it would and it would pull up your vote and you can verify what's printed on the paper trail that you voted and you hit submit and everything and everything goes. Well, to actually have somebody um, verify that paper trail, there's no machine that holds spools of cash register tape so that you can go through them manually. Secondly, it's going to be backwards from where, from the votes where they started. The votes are going to have cancellations on them. The votes are going to change. People are going to change their mind. And you have to account for all that on top of the fact that you have to have a human being sit there and go through this thing that's 300 feet long, one vote at a time, and figure out, first of all, do we count it because did they cancel it? Did they, you know, which one is real? And as a human being, you do that for an hour, your, your mind is going to wander. You're going to get bored with it. You're going to, it's going to, it's going to really suck. Right. Just sit there and do that, and you're never, ever, ever going to get it right. When I was testing, and I would actually mark ballots or mark spreadsheets of the votes that I was testing, every time that there was a discrepancy between me and the machine, I was wrong. Every time. And I would only do 20, 30, 50 votes to test. I, wouldn't, I, I couldn't take the time to mark a couple of hundred or more that are on a particular machine. Okay, so say say that say that again for the for the audience. You you cannot manually um, audit or count the paper trail from a touchscreen machine or any other machine and get it right because people just can't do that. It's not going to happen, and they know this. They said this over and over and over again. But they also said we've got to have the paper trail because it makes people feel better about what their votes are. So, but to to have the electronic version of the ballots not match the paper trail, well, they didn't care because they knew it would never happen. And if they got them to even, you know, if they went through them again and tried to count them the second time, they'd get a different total because people can't do that. And you're talking hundreds of or even thousands of machines. In an area, um, one of the biggest areas that we did was the that we had contract for was Chicago, but Chicago has two thousand precincts, or they did back then, and each precinct had a minimum of three machines. So you're talking going through paper trails from six thousand different machines to try to get a vote total. Who's gonna Who's gonna do that? Well, I don't think you can. You 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 can't. It would take months, and then you're not even sure it's right. Because it, it, you'll never be able to. You, you'll the person will get sloppy, and it's not their fault. It's just the fact. You know, I was trying to validate machine with fifty votes, and I sometimes would not get it right, just with fifty. 
Oh, so if the paper trail is not right, the machines don't work right, they, they can be manipulated at any point, and the people that are doing it are biased, what hope do we have if we don't get rid of Dominion voting systems, ESNS, and Smartmatic from our systems across this country? Well, I'm not saying the paper trail is not right. I'm just saying you can't verify it. You can't verify it. But if you can't verify it, exactly, then, it, then it's not right. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter, which means I have to rely on code. I have to rely on a computer. Or I have to rely on hand counting every one of those ballots. And you still can't get that right either. Well, I mean, there is ways to actually get the paper ballot right if you ran it through a validation process where it goes from one person to the next person to the next person. You have three people doing it at the same time. Okay. Uh, you might be able within, to. Within within the acceptable margin of error. We're always going to have errors. Right. Right. And, and Absolutely. I, and, and, and by the way, if we were talking about an election where – the acceptable margin of error was within that, uh, I think it's 0.2%. If it was within 0.2%, I think I'd be okay with it. Okay. Right? Yeah, I'd be probably. okay with it. And But that's not what we're dealing with. We're do- dealing with adjudication processes from 40%, excuse me, adjudication percentages from 40% to nearly 95% in some areas. Right. And that's adjudicating, trying to figure out, if you want to know what adjudication process is, it's it's figuring out intent. What is the intent of the voter? Who did they intend to vote for? Well, we're coming up to the end of the uh, show. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? I don't know. I mean, I think they've been doing this for a long time. I think it all started sometime in the early, two th- well, since the 2000 election. Right. Um, when they started going to electronic machines, and I think they've been building on it ever since. And they're just getting more and more and more bold. I'm not 100% sure how it's working now. I wouldn't be surprised if it is a secondary program because- They were talking about it then. They were talking about it then, and it's not hard to do. That's how testing sometimes works. You have one program, controls another so that we can test it. It's very simple to do. And I don't think they care that it doesn't match the paper trail because nobody's ever going to hire enough people to go through and count all of these paper rolls. Well, we have a lot, we have our work cut out for us, but the first thing that we have to do is we have to be willing to step out, be uncomfortable, do the hard work that's necessary to get rid of these voting machines. And, and you cannot convince me that the bias that we're facing today, that the, the Eric Coomers of the anti-American, anti-police, anti-Trump rhetoric, you can't convince me that that, that rhetoric is not, is not really who he is. You can't, you can't convince me that he's not biased, that he's not going to try and influence the election. You just can't. And not only can you not convince me, but I know too much. I was on that call, right? Much like the call that Chris was on. Again, I didn't know, and he didn't record it. He didn't record that call then. He just made a decision the next day after they announced that, hey, we, I'm proud of the people that went in there, fixed an election, fixed the things they needed to do, got out so that nobody can see you were ever there. That is the type of people we're dealing with on the left. That is what they represent. They are exactly who they say they're fighting against. And they will use, they will lie, cheat, and steal. I will do that. Our revolution in Colorado, the guy that Project Veritas broke, uh, Chris, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what his name is, Chris, whatever, he's part, he talked about infiltrating all of the Democrat positions, precinct positions. 
He talked about lying, cheating, and stealing and, and cutting people's heads off with a guillotine. This is what the left, this is who they are. And we have to stand up to it. These are a lot of weak people with big mouths that can't back up anything that they're doing, either individually or collectively. It would not take much to take them down, but we have to stay we have to stay diligent. We have to make sure that we continue to fight. Courage is more infectious than fear. So uh, before before we close out, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to get the information out. Um, I will have you back on the show again. I want to bring this up to everyone because we know that everyone's been playing games. We know we're shadow banned on Facebook. We know that we have problems with DLive telling everyone that we're here. We do know that on Conservative Daily, uh, the, the website itself we're having issues with uh, people having some, actually, I don't, I don't think it happened anymore, but it, it pushed people to not go to the website. The website's probably the most secure place that you can go to watch this podcast. That's conservative-daily.com. Um, but we have a, 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 a problem with Apple Podcasts and Spotify now, it seems like, and we got a review. I put in a request to, Apple saying, I don't understand why our podcasts are showing up two, three, four days late. I don't understand why you'll upload six one day. It's a daily podcast. We upload it every day. But this is a review we just got. I tune in daily and love the show. But Apple, you're doing us dirty. This is a daily show. It updates daily. Yet Apple likes to hold back. And I have no shows some days and four to six shows other days. Tisk tisk. Um, so if everyone can go to Apple podcast and leave a review, or you can go to Apple and say, I want to know what's going on. Why are we having problems with getting the, um, the shows updated? This is all an attempt to just keep our voice out of the general public. This is all more censorship. If you want to ask me what it is, I'm ashamed that in our country, the left can have so much control over messaging and just push an ideology, push this indoctrination, and then silence truth. So if you get a chance to do that, please do. If you like us, by the way, you can fi find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, pretty much everywhere where podcasts are. We go live on Facebook every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on Saturday when Max, um, most times on Saturday. And um, we're going to continue in this fight. We're going to continue doing things and talking about truth. We are not going to let up. Lastly, on the 24th of June, we have an event at Vandermeer Speedway. That event starts at three o'clock, gates open at one. Tickets go on sale, I think Wednesday. Um, Mike Lindell will be there. We've got a couple of other guests that will be there as well. Roger Stone will be there. Um, it's gonna be a, a packed um, event. So uh, thank you for listening to us at Conservative Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Oltman, joined today by Chris York. Max is not here today, but we will see you tomorrow.